What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. All right, you have asked for it, and we delivered. This week, we are going back in time. Our players today are Ida Belote, the victim, and Virginia Christian, our murderess. Virginia Christian was born March 15, 1895 in Hampton, Virginia. She was also known as Virgie. She was one of seven children by her father, whom was born into slavery, but of course was free at the time, and her mother, whom was born a few years after emancipation. Hampton, Virginia, well, the entire Commonwealth of Virginia, but Hampton, Virginia, particularly was extremely was an extremely racist post-Civil War town. Virginia's father, Henry Christian, worked for Ida Belote's parents, and her mother, Charlotte Christian, also worked for the family. Virginia didn't have much schooling. She only went to school from ages 10 to 12 at the Hampton Whittier School for Blacks, but she dropped out when her mother became paralyzed and could no longer work. Now Virginia needs to find a job for herself to help with the expenses of the house. Virginia had a few jobs, and when she was around 13 years old, she began working as a washerwoman for Ida Belote. Now, Ida was obviously a white woman. She was born of wealthy folks, and her father owned a chain of pharmacies. Her husband died of cancer, and she had two sons that were grown and left the house, and three daughters still living in the house. She was a little old thing, about 5'1", 100 pounds, and a newspaper described her as frail. But she was always extremely harsh to Virginia. She would talk down to her, maybe slap her sometimes. And one day, Virginia, now 16, I guess Ida wanted to go out with her sister and she couldn't find her black skirt. So she accuses Virginia of stealing her skirt. She confronted Virginia, but Virginia told her again and again that she did not steal her skirt. Ida demanded Virginia pay her back $5 for the skirt that she stole. Virginia said that she did not steal the skirt, but offered to pay Ida the $5 anyways, just so she would not lose her job. You want me to pay the state and keep my job? Okay. Where I did some Googles and the inflation, $5 in 1912 is about $69.70 today. You know that skirt did not cost no damn $69.70, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> I saw... Uh, when we were researching this, and I meant to make a screenshot of it, I'm going to find one so I can post it somewhere. And a skirt, there was a skirt advertisement, and the skirts were like a dollar something to get a nice skirt at the time. You were going to be five dollars? Mm. Sleep. You out your rabbit ass mind. <laughs> and you know, when you come to think about it, like she's got daughters that live at her house. Like daughters and mothers, they steal each other's clothes. Who's to say that she just wasn't this? She misplaced her skirt because one of her kids had it. Right. On Virginia's next shift, Ida waited and waited for Virgie to show up, but she didn't come to work that day. And Ida was waiting to tell her that she actually found the skirt. She simply misplaced it and all is well. So since Virginia didn't show up, Ida took her ass all the way to Virginia's house where she was greeted by her parents, of course. Virginia was not there, and Ida told her parents how great of a worker she was, and blah, blah, blah. She explained the whole skirt situation, and how it was just a big misunderstanding. 
And Jenny's parents, of course, already knew about the skirt situation from their daughter the day before. Um, and just so we remember, like, being accused of stealing at this time is literally punishable by death. Right. Especially stealing from a white person. So Ida just being like, oh, it's just everything's fine. It was a misunderstanding. Oh, Virginia is such a great worker. You just tell her to come on back around here and work some more. Like, no, that's bullshit, girl. And you fucking know it. Now, this is not the first time that Ida accused Virgie of stealing her shit. And when Virginia got home, her parents told her about that there was another woman that was requesting Virgie go to there and work for her instead. This woman was going to pay more. This woman was nicer. But her parents were like, listen, what you need to do is you need to go over there to Ida's house. You need to go to Miss Below and you need to tell her once and for all, we done here. Do your last shift and tell her, you know, cut ties on working or more because she's horrible. But you gotta be professional. When Virgie arrived, Ida was already upset about how late Virgie had been. She's like, girl, I've been looking for you, and now I don't even know if you're gonna have time to finish the load. <sighs> Virgie just gets to work and she starts cleaning. And then here go Ida ass accusing a nigga of stealing again. She's like, Oh, my gold locket is missing, and you probably took it. And at this point, Virgie is over it. She's like, Listen, I didn't take your locket, but even if I did, I wouldn't give it back to you. Period. Not a good look for a black girl talking to a white woman in this time. <laughs> I understand, but she like she's also sixteen, like sixteen. You know what? And this woman has tried you one too many times. And even when you know where what you're supposed to do, sometimes that she's like, just, shut the fuck up, <laughs> shut the, up, just stop talking to me. That's if that's your pet peeve for somebody to tell you something that you to do something already doing. Do. Mm-hmm. So then Ida's like, oh, but you done fucked up now. So she grabs this heavy spittoon, which is like a metal spitting jar. It's a spitting jar for chewing tobacco. Yeah. You just spit at me. Go ahead. I'm so she, yeah. <laughs> I, I really didn't know what it was, and I Googled it, and I got really upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she grabs the spittoon, and she throws it at Virginia. It hits Virginia on her shoulder and breaks into pieces. Ida's going to turn around and start picking up the pieces on the ground to throw them at Virginia some more. But then her eyes dart over to the window where she sees a broomstick holding her window open. Virginia peeps what she had peeped as she runs over to the window to beat her to it. Virginia grabs the broomstick first and she whops Ida upside the head. Ida screams out and Virginia gets scared about how loud Ida was screaming. So she runs for a rag and stuffs it in Ida's mouth. Because the last thing she needed was someone coming over and catching Ida screaming out and her black ass alone in that house with her. So Virginia hurries out. She like looks out the window first, makes sure nobody's around. And she she gets her ass on out of there. But not before grabbing Ida's change purse, which had some money in it and a valuable ring on the way out. I might as well have stole from you. <laughs> as much as you accuse me of stealing, I should have took it. Yes, nice remix, friend. Um, On the way home... Virginia passed Ida's daughter, Sadie, who was eight years old. And she says, tell your mom I won't be by the wash today. I'll be by tomorrow. Sadie heads to the house and sees that no one's there. So she heads over to the neighbor's house for dinner. Then her other sister, Harriet, comes home. Harriet's 13. And she, like, 
sees that her mom's not there either. But she peeps like some blood in the water basin and on the floor. And she's like, okay, I'm too scared to go in the house. So she runs over to the neighbor's house to get the two little boys to come check it out. They go in, they see the blood. They're like, nah, you got it. So they go out and they get two men. And finally the men come and check it out. And they find 51-year-old Ida Bloke on the floor, dead with a pull around her head and a rag stuffed in her mouth. Virginia gets home and she changes out her clothes and tells her parents nothing. The police are already on the case because, of course, nobody's more protected in America than a white woman. Ida's daughters were all at the neighbor's house, and the police asked them if anyone had any issues with their mother. And, of course, they mentioned Virginia's name in regards to the whole missing skirt debacle. They head over to Virginia's house and find the bloody clothes under her bed. And, like, newspapers said that they were between the tuck and spring, which, do you know what the tuck and spring is? I've... I've took a lot of googling for me to find it. Tick and spring. That it was found between the tick and spring, which is like the metal frame, that spring that was underneath all the in those old older beds. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the tick and spring. So underneath the mattress between the tick and spring. Um, the cops arrested her and took her in for questioning, but she already like knew the jig was up. She tells the cops everything and she says that, listen, she did what she did because she feared for her life. If Ida had gotten to the broomstick first, it would have been Virgie that was dead. She said that she never intended on killing her and was shocked to find out that she was even dead. And I remember on one of the podcasts we were listening to, Vile Virginia, she was saying that like she was moaning and she was just trying to, like, she was moaning. And so when Virginia left the house, she was assuming that she was at least still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, her confession checked out with everything the police found at the scene. So it seemed like Virginia was telling the truth about everything that happened. And of course, she said it was self-defense. And of course, it did not matter because a white woman was dead in 1912. The news of the killing spread like wildfire. The lawyers and the judges knew that they had to try her in court. And they had to do it quick because there was angry mobs outside that wanted her, you know, the KKK, all of the racist people that were upset because this woman. So on April 9th, 1912, Virginia goes to trial. It said that her legal team was decent, but she didn't stand much of a chance. The community also knew that she didn't stand a chance. The trial did not start until April, but on March 20th, 1921, the Richmond newspaper said, and I fucking quote, the circuit court will con." The circuit court will convene here on April 1st when the case against Virginia Christian will be immediately taken up and disposed of. Yeah. Her lawyers decided not to let her take a stand on defense because they said the jury probably wouldn't sympathize with her anyways because of her dark skin. She was uneducated. She had already confessed. The crowd was just kind of going through the motions. Right. They were just like, we have to do this. This is due process. They said, you're poor, you're black, you're ugly, you're a woman. I may be poor. I may be black. I may be they said the lawyers even added they was like they felt like even if virginia were to have gotten off there would have been a lynch mob waiting for her on the other side like she really stood no chance the newspaper the newport news described virginia as a full-blooded negress with kinky hair done up in threads with dark lusterless eyes with splotches on the skin of her face her color is dark brown and her fig and her figure is short dumpy and squashy 
She's had some schooling, but her speech does not portray it. And her language is the same as the unlettered members of her race. I'm telling you, these newspapers in these times are awful. Dogging. Of like awful. They don't give a fuck. They'll tell whatever about you. Like, they're bad. Just, just, I, the gall, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no class, no tact about it. So I was watching on YouTube and Dr. Moten, who is the professor of history, and he's the acting chair, um, I guess, of history at Alabama State. He did his either like master's or PhD on Virginia, uh, his dissertation on Virginia Christian. And his daughter had like a YouTube video where she was interviewing her dad about Virginia Christian. And he said something really interesting because, you know, like black folks were working and able to make an income and were free and all of that. But so you would think that they'd be able to serve as jury members, but to serve as a jury member in a civil trial, the only requirements were that you were male over 25 and lived in, you know, the district or whatever for more than six months. But for a criminal trial, you had to be male, of course, um, over 25. I've lived in the district for six months and you had to be registered to vote. See what they did there? See that? See that? Um, the 15th Amendment, ratified in 1870, extended the voting rights to men of all races, but they took care of that too, didn't they? Yeah, they sure did. Because <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different episode. <laughs> Officer R.D. Hope of the Hampton Police Force testified that he went to Ida's home on March 18th around 3.30 to find a crowd outside of her house. He entered through the back and walked through the house until he found her body and the doctor who accompanied him confirmed that she was in fact dead. He continued testifying that he went to arrest Virginia and she said nothing to him except for why am I being arrested? Have I stolen anything? He goes on to say that he got a search warrant and found a bloody shirt waist under her bed and a bloody rag between the wall and the stove. He said he also found a pocketbook with 90 cents in it, which is like about 2587, which Virginia claimed was all the money that she had. By, by 445, he had Virginia in jail. They had a couple more police officers come and testify, um, all basically saying the same thing. And then after that, they brought up damn to the whole neighborhood to come up and testify and say that they saw Virginia walking from Ida's house. And some described her as rushing away from Ida's house. Other witnesses identified Virginia near the crime that morning, basically brought up everybody on the street that saw Virginia walking. And all of them came up and said, yes, they saw Virginia walking in a hurry because that's probably her route. You know, she goes there all the time. One woman got on the stand and she said that she had no idea that Virginia was even 16 years old. She thought that she was 21. Right. Which is, of course, is racist. I was out and like white people always assume that black kids are older than they actually are and it's racist. Like I was out dangerous. It's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. I was out with my cousin and like I used to change his diapers but he's like 16 now and like a whole teenager and we're out somebody thought that we were together i was like this is what and then another uh lady was like oh um was 
talking to him like he was a whole adult, like trying to sell him something. I was like, this is a child. And then finally we went to the hood grocery store because I could not find no butter. I think it was around the holidays. And this old grandma was over there. She was like, she was like, she was like, I got teenage grandkids. Let me guess how old you are. <laughs> are you 16? And I said, yes, thank you, black woman that sees that this is a child. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, they just. They'll hike that age up real fast. They will. And doctors, and of course, doctors at the time, they um, actually had, the prosecution actually had doctors come in and examine her. And they were trying to say that she was lying about her age, that she wasn't actually 16 years old, that she was actually older than she was. Like, they were trying to prove that in court. And the doctors were like, yeah, it seems like that because... We're not white. So the defense tried to paint the picture to show that this was actually self-defense, that at the time, Virginia actually feared for her life. And she was also the child in the situation. So it shouldn't have been her job to have to defuse this toxic situation. That Correct. She was in. Right. Right. Niggas love to be like, especially with teenage and be like, well, you did da, 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 or she, you are still talking to a fucking child. Yes. Yes. So prosecutors say that she stuffed the rag down her mouth with the broom handle. So they said that they hit her, that she hit her, took the rag, put it in her mouth and took the um, broomstick to shove it down. And it was argued that the rag was bloody before being stuffed in her mouth because they were like, there was blood in it. It's very likely that she probably tried to clean the blood, couldn't, there was moaning and then frantically she put it in her mouth. So that's what they were trying to argue against. They said that the first blow to the head would have left her unconscious, killing her. And basically, the rest of the murder would be easy. They were, yeah, they were, they were trying to say that the first blow to her head knocked her unconscious. So Virginia knew exactly what she was doing and finished the job, which there's different accounts where she's screaming. And that's why, and Virginia said, why would she lie? She lied. She didn't lie about anything else when she told the truth, when she confessed. Right. Like the same day. Virginia was, I mean, Ida was screaming and she was trying to just get her to shut the fuck up. I can see a 16 year old panicking though. And being like, what the, a black 16 year old in this position panicking and being like, oh fuck, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Right. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Streaming October 6th on Paramount Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land would come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery, Bloodlines, Rated R, streaming only on Paramount Plus. Sadie, Ida's youngest daughter, even testified. She talked about her encounters with Virginia that day, and Sadie also said there was a very suspicious encounter that she had with 
Virginia because after the whole blood thing, she said that she saw Virgie and she tried to catch up with her. She tried to like, hey, but she started walking faster. Virginia started working faster. And then Sadie ended up tripping and falling and she got lost because she's a child and she never saw Virgie again. Which I want to personally say that that's a very specific story for an eight-year-old. Well, I mean, the last thing Virgie said to her was, I'm not coming to wash today. And then she sees her over on that side of town. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. And now you walking fast. It probably would stick out in her head. Mm, maybe. Like, now, you, now you're trying to scoot on and <laughs> then I cut my knee. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Harriet also testified about discovering her mother's body, and both girls identified their mother's change purse. One of the older brothers, Luther, identified the change purse as well, and it just so happened that the ring inside the change purse was one that Luther gifted his mother. Um, the defense, however, did not cross-examine the children. They were saying that they knew it was their mama's change purse because it had like a wonky click to it or some shit like that. It's like, I guess, girl, you had to get the one with the issue. It's always, I know it's mine because it's got this little mark on it or something like that. You know? <laughs> That's me. I know it's mine because mom fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that one? That, that look, look, you got the headphones with the chewed up ear? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's me over here. <laughs> that's me. So I think the craziest part of this story is that for them to be able to argue that it's first-degree murder, they only have to prove that she thought about it for two minutes. That she thought about killing her for two minutes? Mm-hmm. That's the only amount of preparation, like, that's all the preparation time she needs for it to be considered first-degree murder. Then, you know, they argued, okay, even if you did feel threatened, you was like, ah, I'm frustrated, or whatever this story you're telling. Well, she wasn't telling because she didn't get a chance to testify. But, you know, all these leading up, and you got upset, and you killed her. And it didn't really matter how much time because two minutes is fucking nothing. But I still don't think that was two minutes. You know, two minutes is a very long time. Like, I don't, I really think that. I think the two minutes was probably the span of the argument. Her hitting her with the um, spit thing. Them turning around, Ida see in the room, Virgie see in the room, Virgie see and Ida see the room. Virgie grabs the room, hits her. She starts screaming, she freaks out, she gets a, a rag. Maybe she tried to dab her head and that's why blood's on it. Puts it in her mouth and said, please, please, shh, shh, shh. That could be two minutes. That's yes, not a but whole, I think that, they're backing up the two minutes. I think they're starting the two minutes from the point where Ida says, you stole my locket. Mm-hmm. And then this argument ensues, and then a fight breaks out. But her goal wasn't to kill her. Her goal wasn't to have a fight break out. It didn't really matter what her goal was. She just killed a white woman. <laughs> that part. Um, the jury went out to deliberate, and after a whopping 23 minutes, they find her guilty of first-degree murder. <laughs> they make her pay her debt with her life in the electric chair. Her execution date was immediately set for June 21st, and on June 3rd, she was shipped to the Virginia, and on June 3rd, she was sent to Virginia State Penitentiary in Richmond, Virginia, to await her execution. Everyone, however, was not happy about her sentencing. They were like, 
I'm not saying she doesn't need to be in there for murder. I'm just saying, are we really killing kids? Right. Now she's a kid. Now she's a kid. Right. They're like, but, you know, are we really about to put this 16-year-old girl in an electric chair? That's crazy. And so people started to write in letters, like, just give her life in prison. Yeah. They're writing to the governor. Asking for Yeah. They're like, consider her age, consider her race, consider her gender, consider that she was uneducated and had to drop out of school, consider all these things. There were letters from her mother and father sent in. Um they even had a letter from Ida's brother who was like, I think she did it. And I think she planned to do it. Like, I very well think it's first degree murder. I think she was in the house waiting on Ida to come home so she could kill her. But, oh, wow. I mean, I've done some soul searching. And I, too, feel that she would be fine just serving life in prison. The letter that her mother wrote reads, My dear Mr. Governor, please forgive me for bothering you. I've been paralyzed for more than three years, and I could not look after could not look at the Virgie as I wants to. I know she done an awful wicked thing when she killed Miss Below, and I hear that people at the penitentiary wants to kill her. But I'm praying night and day on my knees to God that He'll soften your heart. If you only save my child who was so little, God will bless you forever. I just. The whole please, Mr. Governor, forgive me for bothering you. I just hate this whole humbleness thing that niggas had to do to just even speak to white people, especially like a white person in power. Like, let me grovel at your feet. Nigga, you work for me. Exactly. And either way, the governor didn't give a fuck about none of that shit. Mm-mm. And he put out this big ass statement. Um, and he was like, quote, the murder of her white employer is one of the most ghastly things I've seen in this state's history. And her execution was necessary to ensure public safety. I've therefore reached the conclusion that there's nothing that justifies clemency. So while she was at the state penitentiary, her cell viewed the death room. And the night before her execution date. She went and she read the Bible, but she refused to, you know, bear her soul with the prison minister, do the whole walking the mile, walking the mile, gotta get right with Jesus. She was she wasn't about to do all that. On August 16th, 1912, Virginia was woken up at 7 a.m. and given breakfast. She was removed from her cell at 7.18 a.m., where then she was walked to the next room, where she sat down in Virginia's fairly new electric chair. She was electrocuted for two minutes and then pronounced dead at 7.23 a.m., one day after turning 17. Her body was immediately given to her parents for their burial. I actually heard that her parents couldn't even afford a burial, and so her body got donated to science. Hmm, that's a fun fact. I did not know that. Her dad wrote a pretty extensive letter, and in it, he gave a lot of information about everything that was happening. And he said that during the trial, he says that he put up his mortgage on the home that they had to get to pay for Virginia's legal fees, which was $250. And, you know, I did my calculation, which is about $2,874.25. Virginia is 
the only female executed by the electric chair in the state of Virginia, and for the next hundred years was the only female executed in the state at all. I just daughters kind of fell off the face of the earth. Nobody really knows what happened to them. It said maybe the youngest ended up in an orphanage um, because there was just nobody else to look after them. Uh, And if we want to talk about, you know, some good that came out of this case, uh, Virginia's whole story kind of inspired these group of women uh, who were part of the NAACP to start a school. The school was called the Virginia Industrial School for Colored Wayward Girls. And it was founded to create, it was founded as a reform school for girls so that they didn't have to face the same type of fate that Virginia did. It was like, okay, if you're a troubled child, come here. Like we at least have a space for you so you don't have to end up the way that she ended up. So I get, you know, I I like the cases where, it invokes change, you know, even if, you know, a lot of times that change comes at a, a big price, but I think it's important that a lesson was learned eventually. Mike, super short show. All right, y'all, it's time for, I do it, but if I did, this is how I got away with it. Um, I didn't do it, but if I did, after I left her house, I would have walked a different direction home. Because it was a lot of witnesses, like, some was like, oh, I've seen her with that lady, oh, I know she's a wash woman, oh, I've met, you know, but a lot of people saw her, like, mm-hmm. she went through town. But then again, probably as a black person, there's probably only so many places that you can, you can walk safely. Okay, I didn't do it, but if I did, I don't know, I'd have to disappear. I'd have ran away like a runaway slave to the, I don't know. I, I, I would just had to run for it and start a new life because she was never going to be safe. There's no way in that time period that you kill a white woman and you going to walk around. Somebody's going to make sure they take your life at the end of that. Yeah. Whether it be, like, you know, like everybody's in danger. And her parents paid $250 for to lose her, her still in the end. But I feel like, are those players okay with the fact that they robbed them? Like, you didn't even try. Well, that's the thing. They said that they did try. They was like, it was actually, well, because this is what they said. They said it was actually very rare for a black person to have lawyers fighting this hard, but the lawyers were putting in appeals for her and, you know, writing the governor for clemency. They was like, they were still involved with the trial even after the sentence was come down, which it was like, that was good for them back then, having somebody fight that hard for them. It was like, they they still going. Okay. So. You got to. Yeah. But I think it was These just, newspapers tore up the fact that she was even filing for appeals. They were just nasty. They was like, death day is here. Too excited. Too excited. She, I mean, like, I'm reading this. I have a newspaper article right now. And it's like last appeal for Virginia Christian. And then it's saying that like she just finished. She went to Richmond yesterday for her final appeal for clemency from Governor Mann. And then he made this whole statement. And then they were like, listen, seven o'clock tomorrow. That's where she'll be. Okay, everybody. And it says she will meet the end that she deserves. According to the opinions of those she heard, sickening details of how she murdered Miss Ida B. Belt below in order to prevent an outcry 
from the age woman rammed a towel down her throat with an old broom handle. Uh, parole or no parole? She didn't make it. She got, I think she got executed, what, four or five months after the trial? Yeah, she, um, she didn't. But I really think that he definitely could have gave her life in prison. Like, Clemens but it's Virginia. Virginia. Too much ass, right, and I think it was just such a harsh time then. They were saying that um, Virginia had the lowest. Yeah, go ahead and tell them. Tell the people. Virginia had the lowest recorded lynchings in the country. But you, then you it was a lot. Well, they said the way that they got away with these numbers is because they would do kind of like legal not legal lynchings they had something called a rocket docket where they could expedite the process and it was kind of like listen we know what's up we don't really need a trial we're just gonna let this judge do their decision the judge says we can lynch them boom get rid of them so it was kind of like they just psh, 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 executing these people legally mm-hmm. and so virginia looks good so Dr. Moten, he was telling the story of this boy in Louisiana, Willie Francis, and it was like, what did he say? The boy was so young when they tried to execute him, like he was really small. His feet didn't touch the ground or nothing, and they had to sit him on top of books just so his head would reach the nose, and they said they tried to electrocute him. Nothing happened. They tried again. Nothing happened. They tried again. Nothing happened. So they take him back to his cell and they're like, okay, we got to get this chair fixed. And attorneys tried to argue that against the Eighth Amendment, that'd be cruel and unusual punishment to then try and execute him again. And the Supreme Court was like, you tried it. Kill that little nigga. And they did. But it's just like. That's like that man that was in, that white man that was in prison talking about some. Uh, I died and they resuscitated me. So now my life sentence is over. Mm hmm. Like, no, you tried, and something spared me. Take a hint. And it's like, if you're in prison, we can't let you die. They can, but you're not supposed to. Oh, right, friend. I guess it's time for some review. I'll go. She said, I've been here, okay? (laughs) I love this podcast. It's truly one of a kind. I found it on Spotify last summer, and now that I have the iPhone, I just wanted to give you a rating. Keep up the good work, ladies. Thanks, but actually, pretty sure you can download Apple Podcasts app on any phone. Just to FYI to you people. I'm pretty sure. It's just an app. Say, so, well, you can put Apple Music on any phone? I, I don't know. This one says, amazing, from KBIG. I just want to say I'm mad at myself for listening to all the episodes. Now I have to wait till Friday. But I'm proud of y'all for doing this podcast. Keep up the good work. Y'all did big with this one. And then when Spotify told me that we were getting reviews, I thought we were going to get reviews, not ratings. All right, y'all. That's the end of the show. I don't know why we're still here. All right. Bye. If you want to stay in contact with us, you can email us at our space or anything like that at sisters who kill podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at sisters who kill. You can follow us on Instagram at sisters who kill podcast. You can no, pod. You can follow us on TikTok at sisters who kill podcast. You can follow this, the discussion group. Please answer all the questions. Like, stop playing. Including 
including the group rules like come on do you agree to the group rules yes i agree like, because if you so... don't respond i'm considering that you did not read them thus far you can't agree because you don't know <sighs> like come on now um yeah that's all i have friend you have anything talk to us we talk back bye <laughs>